go. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool, and I'm joined as always as with my <laughs> sorry, I botched that, but I'm joined as always with my brother from another mother, Andy Crow, out there in Kentucky. Andy, how are you? <laughs> Look, so I was going to say something else. I'll get to what I was going to say. Like, we do this on Zoom so we can see each other. Um, thankfully, you can't see us. You just hear our voices. But, uh, like, as soon as you start talking, I don't know what you're doing, but your eyes glazed over. It's like you were dead for a second. You know what it was? <laughs> is I realized something that in the intro, it's I put this sort of emphasis at the end of Hipster. It was like an accent. It's like, welcome to the hillbilly and the hipster. <laughs> and I, oh, I was cognizant <laughs> of that and I completely blanked out. And if we were smart men, I'd edit all this nonsense out, but we're not smart. So welcome so to it, the hillbilly and it, the hipster. So if you sit and think, why don't they edit their stuff? Uh, and really, I'm talking to a couple of specific people, Dr. White. Um, if you have to ask yourself, like, why don't they edit this? You don't get the show. But I used to listen to the Dan Levitard show um, because I thought he was hilarious when he actually talked about sports. And then they would be like, hey, why don't you actually talk sports and, and quit being idiots and da 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 And they were like, you don't get the show. So, yeah, if, you, if you're a little perturbed that we don't edit our stuff and we don't sound pristine and polished, you, you don't get the show. Which isn't true. We do edit. I have done some editing work on this show, on some episodes, so. So how many episodes have we had? Uh, this will be our 34th. 34th? I was close. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes of those 34 have you edited? I've had to do on a few. I, I've definitely had to make some fixes, but there's one major edit I did to oh, there, yeah, that, save, that's really... save one of our jobs. Well, wasn't my job. <laughs> I was trying to keep no. the illusion going. Oh, yeah, one of our jobs. Definitely could have been mine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, where was I going with that? Editing. Oh, speaking of editing, as I was riding in the van last weekend with Dr. Wise and the boys, um, you know how weird it is to drive three hours up the road? to go visit family and instead of music on the radio, you just hear you and your best friend's voice. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't do it. I, there's no and, way I could and, do it. And she, she's like a few episodes behind. I'm also watching the Boston Anaheim game and Anaheim's defense is atrocious right now. I mean, it's bad. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, so instead of music, like Dr. Wife and the boys are like, let's listen to the hillbilly and the hipster. And so we did. And I was like, this is awkward to hear myself. Also, on top of that, um, I didn't realize how much of a twang I had in my voice. It's come back since you moved back or it's come out since you moved back to Kentucky. that, That it's become more prominent, I guess. But, like, evidently I've always had a little bit of it, even though I worked real hard to lose it when we were in Iowa. But, uh, yeah, so now I'm all self-conscious when I talk well, because I, I don't want to I was – I just had this other brain rambling going on. I was thinking about how – I've been to live podcasts. Like, I've been to a – I watched a Doctrine and Devotion record a couple of live episodes at the their conference that they had a few years and – uh I've gone to the Happy Rant Live, and uh, and, I like them. I like and them. one other I've gone to. So I th- oh, actually, there's another podcast I want to listen that I listen to that they're talking about doing a live one in Vegas and just having people come out to Vegas and do it. I was like, I'd be down to go to Vegas for that. And then I thought, well, if we did it a live hillbilly and hit in the hipster, it would be it's me, you, and Keith. And I don't even think your wife would show up. Dr. Wife would show up to roll her eyes after our first poorly timed joke. We'd have to and pay then she'd her. Be out. Although she's getting a little more brazen, she may agree to come onto the show here soon. Oh, wow. But I'd, 
I'd be more I'd be more afraid of the stories she'd tell on me than anybody else that we've talked Oh, to. maybe she should be a guest host. Maybe like I'll take a week off and you and Dr. Wife can post this thing. Please talk about Andy. Just make fun of me left and right. But also what I realized as we were driving, we have new intro. When did we get new intro music? Like we that's not the same. Yeah. That's not the same music we've always had. It is. I recut it, but it's the same music we've always had. I swear it's not. Maybe it's just because I never listened to the music. Yeah, it's the same but music. I thought, I thought it was different. These probably should have been conversations we had before I hit record. Yeah, like, Andy, how involved are you in the podcast? I don't know. I record and talk, and that's it. He's, that's roll, he's rolling in the luxury of all that money we're rolling in, that podcast riches. I just, I, you know, I sit, I talk, I light a cigar, and then I just <laughs> let Chad do all the work. Oh. That'd be so, a good speaking thing. Speaking of which, when we, when we do a live version, we... Uh, we just need to go somewhere where we can sit and smoke a cigar and 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 record. We'll do it. We'll do it the right way. No, that's when you, when you, like a plan. When you come to Kentucky, we'll do a live episode. We'll bring Keith and some people over, and we'll we'll sit in the backyard and record while the dog runs around and barks at Rex next door. <laughs> so as we're recording this, I'm watching the Mets. Play the Okanes, and the Okanes have this pitcher who, uh, if you went in a flashback to the 70s Okanes, he's rocking a catfish hunter mustache. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Harris. But I'm I'm working name. on I'm working on growing my mustache out so I can do that. Because <laughs> you just want to take over the hipster mantle of this podcast. You're gonna have handlebars. No. Well, that and somebody at work told me they didn't think I'd actually do it. Oh, so now, now it's a matter you. of now. I was about to say that's what you think I won't do, honey. <laughs> you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> I uh, did I ever tell you about the time that I was working as like a staffing representative at a factory, and I embarrassed somebody to the point that they quit and just never came and got their paycheck. No. So I would always tell them, like, hey, this is the dress code. I know it gets hot in here, uh, but this is the dress code that they have set out. Um, and and I'm a big man. And basically, I was like, you know, no spaghetti straps, no halter tops, no tube tops. For the most part, if you don't want to see me wearing it, we don't want to see you wearing it because I don't have any shame. And so this woman came in and, and scandally clad and it was making everybody uncomfortable. Like not, uh, not the, not pervy uncomfortable, but just like I, in a minute, she's not going to be wearing anything uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And so her, her manager calls and he's like, Hey Andy, I don't know what we can do, but you know, if you've got any, you're an idiot tricks to embarrass her and, and get her to, to put her clothes on. That'd be great. And so I was, I be, I'd become pretty good friends with the trainer and I put it to the trainer and I was like, Hey sis, um, <laughs> you still got that, that shirt that I can borrow. And on a normal size woman, it would have been a t-shirt, but on Andy, it was a skin tight halter top. Oh my gosh. And so I, I put that bad boy on and walked up to where she was at and started working right beside her. And I said, uh, you see how uncomfortable you are? And she goes, yep. And I said, good. That's how uncomfortable you're making everybody else. Please go change. And she just never came back. <laughs> she, she never came to pick up her check. Never saw that poor girl again. Now, I'm oh, sure, wow. and this is years ago, but I'm sure I just got it canceled because I, that may have been wrong and insensitive on my part. But she had multiple warnings, and I have no shame. So, welcome to the to the mind of Andy, everybody. Where I'm just an idiot. 
Well, Andy, before we get started, why don't you uh, why don't you tell the fine folks about what's going on with uh, St. Galgano Armory? Yeah, this podcast brought to you by the, the great people of the St. Galgano Armory. They make high-quality uh, blacksmith and bladesmith uh, materials, merchandise. I always forget the M. It's, it's always a different word, but never the right uh, high-quality blacksmith and bladesmith merchandise. Um, you can find them on all the social media outlets. They've got an Etsy shop. Uh, he's he he made a bookmark the other day, a metal I bookmark. I saw those. They look awesome. Uh, that was he he sent that to me in a text, and then and then put it up on 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 the Twitter and the Instagram. But it looks pretty cool, and so he's making a few of those. He's you know he's got knives coming. Uh, he said something the other day about maybe possibly starting to make some axes and swords. So if if your boy could get his hands on an axe, hint, hint, um, my wife will be mortified. Like Dr. Wife will say no real quick, but whatever. So, but yeah, you can find him on all the social media at St. Galgano um, Armory. I it's think. just St. Saint, Galgano. Saint he's on Twitter at St. Galgano and Instagram at St. Galgano, and you can check out the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. And Galgano spelled G-A-L-G-A-N-O. So check them out, etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. 10% of um, of every sale goes into a, into the community. He he moves them around from different uh, different charitable organizations and nonprofits that benefit the community so um i believe currently if you buy something it's it goes and fights uh human trafficking yeah i believe right now, that, that's where he's at now um and so he you know he he's all about service and and this is his way of giving back um but yeah highly recommend his 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 products um as soon as i can convince my wife it's a good idea i'm going to look at getting a door knocker from him because door knockers are cool. I don't care what you say. They're pretty awesome. They're they're something that is definitely under underused these days. Well, because nobody uses their door. No, no. Well, as we were talking about one time, I'm gonna just completely change subjects on how you know, back in the day, and I say back in the day, like when you were a kid, because you're old, um, and probably before you, much before you. Like everybody sat on the front porch, right? Everybody, you know, you'd walk up oh, and down yeah. the street and all your neighbors are on your front porch. Uh, we don't neighbor well anymore. Like nobody's on their front porch. We all we've gravitated to the backyard. Well, they I don't mean, build neighborhoods with front porches anymore. No, I mean like my, my house was built somewhere around ninety five. Right. So it's not terribly old, but it's not young. But like I remember as a kid in the nineties, like we set out on the now we lived Mamma lived out in the country, but we set out on the front porch all the time. Yeah. But like the house that I have now, we have a small little little front porch. I've got a, I've got a swing on, but I'm also mortified that I'm too fat to sit on the swing. <laughs> but but then we have a nice patio that used to have an like a gazebo type awning over it, but then the storm came through and ripped that out. You talked um, about being mortified. You want to know what's a mortifying thing? Is I oh, Google this is gonna get me canceled for sure. Um, I we're gonna tick off some people, but I Googled either it was yesterday or early this morning at like three o'clock in the morning. I Googled um, What are you Googling at 3 a.m. for? Concealed carry holsters for fat guys. <laughs> and I found a website that rates the best in seal carry holsters for fat guys and That's breaks them that. down between inside the waistband, outside the waistband, belly holsters, everything. I need to go get my, my concealed carry permit. I've been staying for the last few years. And, you know, actually, Dr. Wife told me to go get one for Father's Day three years ago. I uh, still haven't got it. Wouldn't matter now because I don't live in Indiana where I would have got it. But but then I'll have to check out your your fat man holsters. 
Yeah, I couldn't sleep. I woke up at three in the morning, and so yeah, I was, I I, I was I'm messing around my sermon. <laughs> I was messing around my you sermon. You went from sermon to concealed carry fat guy holster. Yes, I gotta come to your church. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> it's been a ridiculous night. Like so, I know that this sounds discombobulated. Uh, and us just kind of joking around. It was not any better on the pre-show. Like we had, we had five minutes of serious talk, just the stuff going on in our lives, uh, and then the rest is just nonsense. And we've brought it on to the show, as we, as we're, we're apt as to we do. do every week. It's been a long week. I mean, I think this is post Easter. Easter week was super busy. I tried to chill a little bit this week, but it's just things keep popping up and I just gotta I've had to make some decisions um that, over some really small and idiotic things at church, but I know that these are these are hills that I wasn't necessarily willing to die on yet, and now I have to make decisions for it. And so um somebody I follow on Twitter posted something about um he said something along the lines of when i i when i'm thinking about doing something i think well a cow the, what would a coward do and then i do the opposite and then i realized i was being a coward over the two issues i had to deal with at church so i took care of them today and uh or this week and you so know, the fallout will happen next week because i'm gonna alienate half the people are gonna be upset by both decisions i can't hear about that but uh that quote, Dwight Schrute uh-huh. said something similar. And I have, if you walk into my office at work and hanging right behind my desk where my clients almost have to focus on it because it's right beside my head on the wall, is a picture of Dwight Schrute with that quote. When I do, when I think I want to do something, I ask myself, would an idiot do it? And if the answer is yes, I don't do that thing. And I often remind my clients, like, hey, read this, because this is your new life motto. So I, I can appreciate that. It really is. Like, who, who would have thought? And then, you know, on the other side of it, I've got Michael Scott with the, you miss 100% of the shot. The, you way, don't pay. the Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. And then underneath it, it says Michael Scott. Wayne Wayne Gretzky. All right. So I'll I'll tell you this before we get started. So in my office, um, I have a couple of uh, those Funko Pops. They're all mainly uh, soccer players, European soccer players I've liked. And then I have Wayne Gretzky. And, uh, And with my Wayne Gretzky is a, it's a landscape rock. That uh, as a I, I've confessed for this sin, but it's a landscape rock that um, was taken from his house in Arizona that sits on my shelf in my office with my Wayne Gretzky action figure. So I'm probably gonna have to edit that out now. No, I keep it in there. That's good stuff. Yeah. So people look like, what's this rock? What's special about this rock? Let me tell you. That rock came from what I believe is Wayne Gretzky's house. What I was told was Wayne Gretzky's house. Your pastor is a thief. That's what that rock represents. I did not steal it. It was stolen for me by someone who used to work for me. Now, I just want to I just want you to know as a as a parole officer, it's the same thing, bro. <laughs> yes, I know. I've watched <laughs> a lot of cops. You're still going to get that, that violation report. Well, Andy, oh, speaking goodness. of quotes, I came across this quote last week. Uh, and it's in a, from a book that A.G. Spaulding, who used to play Major League Baseball and is the founder of Spaulding Sporting Goods, right? As if you know, it's the goodbye, Mr. Spaulding. Um but Spalding was a he was a devout Christian and he looked at baseball and he saw baseball as a way to promote that baseball was a, a vehicle to promote Christian values and virtues. And so he wrote this book, America's National Game. And the quote 
that Spalding has is this. The game of baseball, like the Bible, teaches us many lessons. If we are willing to learn them, it teaches us the value of teamwork, the importance of perseverance, and the necessity of fair play. It teaches us that sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, but we must always play the game with honor and integrity. And I know that both being baseball fans, right, and over the years, we've we've visibly seen believers who've played, you know, there's a large amount of of Catholic ball players, right, who genuflect before they add in a bat or if they had a home run. But you know, I think there's there's been some players who've echoed Spalding sentiments that that you can use baseball as a way to illustrate and celebrate their faith. Um, you know, I know some churches used to have church softball leagues, but I don't think those are necessarily those aren't necessarily uh in my experience the best ways to promote Christian fellowship. I think some no. of those people lose their Christianity. What is it? The uh the song church church league softball, everybody's fighting. And the old know. adage, if you don't if you if you don't come home bleeding, did you play in a church league softball game? <laughs> So, I, I'll throw that out to you. What do you think about that? How how can baseball, um, or really, what are some of the ways baseball can teach us about our faith? Look, so I'm going to admit that we're, I'm coming into this episode blind because I wanted to see what I could get. But I think really, I, you know, steroid air every day. Um, I... I tend to agree. Now, I think we bastardized the game because of the amount of money. It's it's become about that. But I think the virtues, or at least what should be the virtues of it, right? The the sportsmanship, the the love of the game, the camaraderie, the, the fellowship that is the team, and really like the extended fellowship between player and fans. Because you look at some diehard groups, right? You look at the the right field guys out in Yankee Stadium. You look at your seven-line army. You know, you, there's some Braves, you know, things scattered in there. You really get that fellowship and that. You ride the highs together. You experience the highest of highs. But inevitably, when you fall there's somebody there to help help you through that. Now, I understand that when you're talking about falls in baseball, it's not a big deal compared to, like, real-life struggles, right? Oh, sure, but it's a good metaphor. But, yeah, absolutely. Because I can tell you, 1995, right? October 95, Game 6 of the World Series. Line drive to, to left center field. Marquise Grissom catches that ball. Braves win their first World Series in Atlanta. You know, nine-year-old Andy is losing his mind. I fall through my door, <laughs> jumping and screaming. My my mom's boyfriend at the time was not well because I was loud and obnoxious, and I fell through the door. Um, mom just laughing. Like, going from that high to – Losing in game five or six of the 96 World Series, where I am just a mess on the floor, crying my little eyes out. Well, um, I, I think those are good points that you make it because baseball, like life, right? Baseball is a game of hope and it is a game of perseverance. And right. Absolutely. And, and in baseball, like life, right? Failure, failure is a constant companion in baseball. Because, I mean, even the best players strike out, the best fielders make errors, games are lost. Um, but it's that response, right? It's that perseverance. It's how those players respond to that failure that sets them apart. Um, and, that, you know, baseball players like believers and in, in human beings. I mean, they are human beings. That sounds stupid. We haven't had, we haven't started robot baseball yet. But baseball players have to learn to persevere. That's when I'm out. I said it was with the universal DH, but when robot players come, I'm out. 
Um, but they have to learn to persevere in the face of adversity, right? And and you've got to learn to keep your head up even when you're down. You got to keep swinging even when you're in a slump. Um, and I think that's the same perseverance that's required of us to navigate the ups and downs of life, right? And I think a uh, James one, James one verse twelve, right? James says, "Blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test." that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Right. So it is, it's, it's a, it's a, I was little old lady told me this once, right. It is a, uh, it is a journey, not a race. And that's kind of why baseball's got that long season, right? I mean, it's, you can have some failures in the beginning and end up winning 30 in a row and sitting in the top first place, right. It is a, it is definitely a game of perseverance. Was it two years ago when the Braves won the World Series? Where we, I mean, we we didn't, we weren't above 500 until I think September. Yeah, until like we imploded. We, we, we barely won more than two or three games at a time. We sucked. Our best player went down. And then all of a sudden, we make a couple of trades at the deadline. September comes around. The Mets got a Met. We got hot. And then, boom, next thing you know, who what was the worst team in baseball almost all year, all of a sudden wins the division, beats the Dodgers, and then goes on to, to beat the Trashtros in the World Series. You're not always going to have on top of the mountain moments, right? No, and, I, and absolutely what's, not. And what's beautiful, what's beautiful about that, you know, we've already talked about picking each other up. But look at a baseball team. The diversity within a team, just the players and the coaches, from all different walks of life. Some were born into into very wealthy families. Some were born dirt poor, and they used a stick and whatever they could find to play baseball, right? You have Catholics, you have Protestants, you have Muslims, you have atheists and agnostics and uh, Jews and Buddhists and whatever. And they all come together. Like, the diversity in baseball really mimics with the diversity in the church looks like, should look like, right? We don't all come from the same walks of life. I know Christians who grew up rich. I knew I know Christians who grew up poor. I know Christians that for the longest time, them and their family were Muslims uh, or, you know, insert religion here, and then they, they found Christ and now have been welcomed into fellowship. And so it's it's really it's a baseball, much like Christianity, right, is a beautiful mosaic of life. Like it's what life should look like as we all come together, well, you, to unite under the under the goal. And in baseball, it's to score more runs, and for Christianity, it's to to live for Christ, glorifying Him, baptizing people along the way, and making disciples. Well, and you make me think of um, and you know Jesus. Paul... Is the... Go ahead, sorry. And Jesus, is like the ultimate number two hitter, because you know he's always willing to sacrifice. Yeah, that was bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but when Paul writes, right, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. Um, don't miss hear what paul's writing in that scripture well, definitely male or female yeah but i got right you. but but for you are you are all one in christ jesus right because christians right as as believers we are called to love and serve one another regardless of our backgrounds and social stat or social statuses and i do think what you hit on that point is one of the most beautiful things about baseball is the way the way that baseball brings people together because not only the way the players are you described, but fans from all walks of life come together to cheer on their favorite teams, you know, and in, in, in a world that often, right, feels divided 
and divisive, baseball still is one of the few things that seems to provide a sense of unity and community. Um, And I was thinking about, like, I had a question that I was going to ask you, like, what are some of the ways that baseball can give us hope in the midst of difficult times? And the one thing that comes back to me, and we talked about it maybe either on the last episode or maybe in our pre-show of that episode, but I think back to that first game after September 11th when it was the Mets and the Braves and Piazza hits that home run in the bottom of the sixth and how that city, the country, those players, everyone needed that, right? They needed Needed. baseball to be back and there was no better way than, than for, you know, Mike Piazza, they hit that home run and, and, you know, being a fairly, he was, he was Mr. Matt. Whether he, was. he liked it or not, yeah. he was the Mets. He was, and, and him and John Franco on the Mets, I think John Franco definitely was Mr. New York, right? He definitely had the New York lineage. And he, him and the guy that plays for the Yankees now, Nasty Nestor, like, they are, like, if you were to draw a New Yorker, mm-hmm. it's them. And I think baseball's done it through a – you know, multiple times, but in in my lifetime, that's the one that sticks back to me. You know, I I think prior to that was probably me. I remember watching the uh, the World Series between the the Giants and the A's when the earthquake happened. Watching that mm-hmm. with my grandmother when they had to stop the game in that city, maybe not on the same scale as the whole nation, but th- that that area, if you will, needed that game to come back. You know, for them yeah. to, to to go and play that game, and that baseball has been a way to give us hope in the midst of really I, difficult times. Baseball, yeah. Like my my grandma laughed. She took me, her and my mom took me to my my first baseball game. We set up in the nosebleeds in Bush Two in St. Louis to watch the Braves, and this old man behind us who was wasted by the fourth inning was just. And I, I was a shy kid. I was an idiot. Don't get me wrong, but I was a shy kid. Um, and th- this guy is just railing on John Smoltz. And I, yeah. I love John Smoltz. And he said something, and I looked at my memo, and I said, memo, he's wrong. And she goes, what do you mean? And whatever rule he was talking about, like, he was wrong. That's not what that rule meant. And she was like, well, just be quiet, honey. He's, he's had too much to drink. Don't talk to him. And he kept yelling it, and I turned around, and I was like, excuse me, sir, um, that rule doesn't mean that. It means this. So please be quiet. <laughs> and my grandma was like, Memo was like, that's it. We're dead. Like, we're not making it out of St. Louis alive. And his, I mean, that old man's wife cackled because this this 40-some-year-old man just got showed up by a, you know, a, a, what was that, 90... It was 90, 95, yeah, 95, so, you know, nine-year-old boy. He got schooled by Bobby Hill. He got schooled by Bobby Hill. I just see his short uh, pants and a t-shirt and a buzz cut. (laughs) But then, like, after that, when he, you know, he picked his pride up and put it in his pocket, like, I sit and talk to him the whole game. I'm nine. Mm. My wife laughs because we'll go to a ball game in Cincinnati or, when we would go to the Indianapolis Indians games and I didn't, I, you know, you don't know who you're sitting by, but you sure talk to them because baseball brings you together. Absolutely. Right. And there's, and here's what we can all agree on. Right. Jesus is Lord. We've all fallen short and Philly fans are the worst fans in the history of fans. Right. Like, those are three things we can agree on within Jesus and baseball. And if you are listening to this and you're a Phillies fan, I'm not sorry. So um, 2007, when the Rockies beat the Phillies, sweep the Phillies here That's at Coors Field, um, I may or may not have had a broom with a Philly fanatic hanging from the top of it by a noose swinging around. The views expressed by Chad McCool do not 
express the views. I think it does. I think it does. Oh, man. But I don't oh, think you could bring a broom to a ballpark now. That's what you took from that? You can't take a broom to a ballpark? Are you kidding me? We're swinging him around. I didn't make the news. My sidekick did. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have to do some editing. Now, now you leave that in. Just needed to know that it did not come from Andy. Dr. White, not Andy. <laughs> but you've, you've stressed Cedar out so much, she left the couch. She was now on the floor. Uh, uh, but anyway, so I also think this, right? Baseball is generational. Sure. I, I, I remember sitting in my grandparents' bedroom the was it 91, 92 92, 91 was the Phillies yeah. right, the Phillies went okay, so it been 92 when, we, when the Braves played Toronto and I remember sitting in my grandparents' bedroom with my granddad and we had the little like 10 inch black and white TV with the rabbit ears oh, and yeah. two dials you know, the one dial that took the main channel, you go to channel two, but then it's like 2.1, 2.2, 2.3. And we were watching it. VHF and UHF. Okay. Or I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. I'll, I'll assume you're right. Grants. But I, my, my, my grandfather, whom I love dearly, uh, you know, veteran. Um, so like, he takes the Star Spangled Banner really serious. Mm. Um, and I remember them, they were in Toronto. They sang the Star and Spangled Banner, you know, and they end with the last phrase in the home of the brave. And I remember looking at my granddad and saying, but Peppa, they're in Toronto, not Atlanta. It's not the home of the Braves. I thought the national anthem was just like the song they sang before all the Braves games. <laughs> and so he chuckled and explained it to me. But then I, and then years later, I'm sitting in a, in my bedroom watching an All Star game with my oldest when he's like three, and looking at him doing the same stuff during the game that I did when I was little during the game. And then I, you know, I take my sons to these ball games. Like two years ago, no, last year, we took them to their first pro game. We went and saw uh, the Braves in Cincinnati and we were, we sat in the, like the nosebleed. We went to, to two games, Friday night and Saturday night. Or Thursday for, I don't know, we went two games. Um, in the first game we lost and it was, that was, that was devastating because I just knew it ruined it for Turner. But the second night we set up in the nosebleeds and we were around all these college kids, like in front of us, there was like a group of 15 of them. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to suck. Because they're going to get drunk and unruly, and I'm going to have to explain to my kids, like, this isn't how you act in public. Please ignore them. And, you know, they're wearing, you know, old school King Griffey, Barry Larkin. You know, they're yeah. hardcore since now. Eric Davis, Paul O'Neill jerseys. And uh, Eric Davis. This, this cat had on a Junior Griffey Seattle uniform. And my oldest is like, yo, why are you wearing a Seattle uniform? They're not playing. And he's like, oh, well, I like Griffey. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I like Griffey. He goes, you know who I really like? Ricky Henderson. And now all these kids are like, how do you know who Ricky Henderson is? Yeah. And so he starts like laying out all these stats. And as he's laying out all these stats, this guy, the, the one that Turner talked to the most, his name is Ryan. Uh, and so, like, Ryan just incorporated my kid into this, like, he was a frat. He was, Turner, Turner was a frat kid for one night only. Right? He didn't sit with us. He asked, and, and the, kid, the kid said it was okay. So he moved down a row and sat with these college kids. He got better seats and ditched you. Yeah. And so, and I mean, he's only a row or two down, so whatever. But, like, and then all of a sudden, Freddie Freeman jacks this home run and uh, 
Turner looks at that guy and goes, did you feel that? And the kid goes, what? And he goes, you're heartbreaking when we just took the game. Like, just smack talk. But, like, it's a generational thing, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you have a love for the game, you're there together. And that's really the church needs to take. And I took a while to get there. I'm sorry. No, you did because you just made a solid point, I think, about my own life, too. The church needs to do better at being generational, right? Because I, I look at my last church that I served at, it was real important to me for the, the young kids, the teenagers, and the adults to know each other. And, and the church failed, not because the kids didn't try, not because some adults didn't try, not because I didn't try, because we all didn't try together. Well, I can make the controversial statement on that as as – you sit in most churches, right? And you will rail on Darwinism, you know, particularly when it comes to evolution, but churches have practiced Darwinism and they've created, you know, species and genuses and they've had to silo you by, okay, you're a, you're a three to four year old and you're together and, and you're a, you're a young married couple. So you can't be with the senior citizen, you know, with the mature adults. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, a lot of churches feel like kids should be not heard mm-hmm. and that's, that's not who I am. Like, and so leadership, senior pastors, they, you know, they all be like, Hey Andy, why aren't your youth coming on Sunday morning, but they're coming Sunday afternoon. Well, do you go places you don't feel welcome? Yeah. No. So they come on Sunday afternoon because they have fellowship with people they know love them and care for them. They get solid teaching. And it's their church family. Yeah. That was controversial and was not received well. Um, and I'm no disrespect, but like, you know, nobody ever talked to them. So, you know, they'd come on Sunday afternoons and, and, and that was their church service. And so I think if the church can really take anything from baseball, it's how to fill the generational gaps. Because I can walk into any baseball stadium for any team and be able to carry on a multi-hour conversation with a total stranger because we have a common love of the game. Absolutely. I should be able to walk into any church, regardless of my age, and be able to have a conversation with somebody of almost any age appropriately, right? I'm not going to come to a church I've never been to and start talking to kids. That's weird. But yeah, you should getting, be able to walk into booted. a church. Right? You should be able to walk into a church and be able to carry on a conversation because of a mutual love for Christ. And you don't have to have all the same doctrinal views. Lord knows we have friends that we don't agree with theologically. Um, I mean, I I love a few Wesleyans. And uh, I, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think that, you you know, you could lay down some of those secondary and tertiary issues for sure. I mean, I get texts weekly from friends of mine that are like, hey, uh, you know, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying. And I'm like, cool. But the main points we, for the most part, the main points we, we agree on. And so we should be able to have those conversations. And on top of that, we should be able to have civilized conversations of, I don't believe this, right? And, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. So that if the church can get anything, and it's not just baseball. Basketball and football are the same. No, but I think that's, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Well, now let me finish before you jump in there, Grandpa. I, I think baseball is probably a little more family-friendly. That Yeah, for um, one, to go to the game. So I think that baseball lends itself, but there's the passion behind all the sports teams is there and if we can come together under a common passion for Christ and wanting to live a life where he is literally the Lord of our life and that we're trying to do what scripture tells us 
then yeah. Yeah, and I think to to get back to the generational thing for a minute, and I think this is why, like, I I think I I you know I I don't really follow basketball anymore. I don't follow football. I mean, I feel like really kind of disenfranchised from those. Um, the generational thing for me with baseball really is because I I love baseball because of my grandmother, right? I watched baseball. With my grandmother, my grandmother was a diehard New York Yankees fan. We watched those games on a little black and white TV. And then we got a little color TV with the two dials on it. Um, she still loved me, even though I was a Mets fan. Um, but I love you, even though you're a Mets fan. It's hard sometimes. But I, I think that, that there is a pull to that. And, and I think that, I think baseball, Baseball, unlike some of the other sports, and in all honesty, it's the only thing I really still watch and I'll still go to games regardless of the team I any team I care about is playing. I'll still case in point this Tuesday, I'll be in Kansas City and I'm going to see the Rangers play the Royals because I just don't want to spend the night in the hotel room by myself. Um, but I think the other sports and, and all the only other thing I really ever watch is you know, European soccer and some auto racing. But baseball still, even with the changes they make that I don't agree with and I could be an angry old man about, you know, universal Are DH. Are we talking the universal DH? DH, the bigger bases, oh, the it. pitch clock, all that stuff, right? But I'm still like... So the, the pitch clock doesn't bother me. The bigger bases, instead of the bigger bases, I would have rather than gone to the two, the two bags at first base. No, gosh, no. That would that that no. Like they have for youth. Yeah, no. Where they have them like in youth leagues and softball. Yeah, no. I would have rather them gone to that than the bigger bases. We can agree to disagree on that tertiary argument there. That's heresy. Um, You can be wrong, but I I do think that unlike some of the other sports, right? That baseball, baseball is like a is a source of gratitude. Um, because when you think about baseball as a metaphor, right? Baseball, right? You know, walk-offs, there's the thrill of a walk-off. Um, and then even just that simple pleasure, baseball and fishing go hand in hand. There is a simple pleasure of just spending an afternoon at the ballpark. Um, you know, whether your team wins or loses, there's a, there's a beauty involved in it. It's just like going fishing, whether you catch anything, there's a simple pleasure in just being out there. And I think baseball can remind us of, in those moments, taking in those simple pleasures, it can remind us of the simple, of just the many blessings that we have in life. Um, and gratitude, right? Gratitude should be an essential piece to being a Christian. Um, oh, absolutely. Like Paul told the Philippians, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which tr- transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, I think I think it does give us a sense of gratitude. And you know, I I and I don't I know baseball and Jesus might seem like an unlikely combination, right? Because I'm not saying, you know, I, I mean I know these folks would be like, Well, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. The ballpark's my church. I'm just gonna go to those afternoon games and I'll and I'll worship there. No, I I, I think baseball and Jesus are they may seem like an unlikely combination, but I do think that there's a link there between baseball and Jesus, right? From no, I I absolutely agree with that, one hundred percent. You know, whether it's uh, baseball's emphasis on teamwork and perseverance, to baseball's ability to inspire hope and gratitude, um, baseball could be used as a metaphorical tool to deep to help deepen one's faith and. And, I'll, and I'm not saying that, and I think we could agree this, right? Like baseball is not a Christian game. Not every baseball player is a Christian or or that every Christian has to be a baseball fan. Um, I do have one deacon in my church who's a lifelong Cubs fan, and I saw this joke last week, and I, I told it to him, and it, he did not like it too much. I said, but some historians unearthed some documents that proved that uh, Job was a Cubs fan. Uh, Cubs fan. And oh, he just that's... he just shook his head and walked away from me. Um, that's that's below the belt. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> but you know, 
we're not saying every baseball player is a Christian. Every Christian has to be a baseball f- fan. But but I think for those that do love the game and those that do love Jesus, baseball can be a powerful source of inspiration and spiritual growth. Absolutely. So I'll finish with this. What are you reading? <laughs> Looks like you're reading something. Oh, no, it's just the direction my head oh. is right now. Sorry. That's right, because I can only see half your face. Oh, see, I turn off my camera, so I don't even know what you see right now. I just I see you, but I, I see you're like, I see everything but your chin. Oh, you take off self-view. So I, I basically yeah. you're, you're cut off to about here. It's all like I only see the bottom. I, I see like 60% of your face. Um, I strive to be Tim Allen's neighbor. And that's right, my- Wilson. So I'll say this, and uh, then I'll give you the last word on this baseball and Jesus, Andy. But I think that like any place, but the next time you're at the ballpark, I think you could take a moment to reflect on the ways that Maybe that moment in the game, you know, while you're there, take moments in the game, how it can help you connect with God. And I think if we remember those words that I, I quoted this earlier of A.G. Spaulding, um, play the game with honor and integrity, and always remember the lessons it teaches us about faith, hope, and love. Um, I'm going to put that on my wall in my office, that quote from A.G. Spaulding, and then put, Chad McCool underneath. I'm going to pull a Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, then send that to me, and I'll put Andy Crow underneath it and hang it in my office. Yeah. No, I... But I think we could take something from that quote from Spalding, right? Because even whether it's baseball or your walk, right? Play the game with honor and integrity and always remember the lessons it teaches us about faith, hope, and love. So, so I don't... Know, I don't... I don't have the scripture in front of me right now because I don't have my Bible with me. But what, where, what's the the scripture, the chapter and verse where Paul is talking about finish the race well? Oh yeah, yeah, right that, about finishing strong. Fin- and that yeah, piggybacks finish- what we talked about last week about finishing strong. Oh, absolutely. Like the 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 Spalding quote is a mirrored reflection of Paul in his teaching. You know, play with, with honor and respect, you know, finish well. Then you got Paul, hey, keep going, finish the race strong. Yeah, and that's what he's telling Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4, right? Like, I think the verse is that he's fought the good fight. Right, Paul says it's a. Mm-hmm. I think it's second to be four. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Yeah. So when you and I encourage you, even if you're not a die like I, I'm a diehard fan. Um, I love the Braves with with all that I am, but I love the game of baseball. I could go watch Little League through pro, and just sit there for for days and watch baseball, right? Um, I'd go to, to minor league ball games where I don't even know the players. I just want to go watch a ball game. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you, even if you're not a diehard fan, get to the ballpark this summer, whether it's a pro game, a minor league game, whether it's you know a semi-pro, the wooden bat leagues that are popping up all over the place. Terre Haute always had a team. Um, I always loved going to those and getting to know the players because they're just college kids trying to be noticed by, you know, scouts. But as you're sitting in your seat or on the bleachers and you're you're eating your popcorn and hot dog and whether you're drinking a beer or a soda or water, whatever your drink of choice is, you know, when you look out at there, there's just something beautiful about a field, about 30 minutes before the game starts, right? The dirt is just pristine and flat. The wind brushing through, like you you can see God in it. Mm. And so 
you know, as you're sitting there re- reflecting on everything that's about to go on or that has been going on, you know, I just encourage you to, to look at how the players interact on the field. I encourage you to, to look around and watch the people in the stands and how they may not like each other outside of that stadium for political reasons, for, for you know, a multitude of reasons. But they all come together united under one cause. And look how neighborly they are when they're there. And take that home with you. Right? Take that into the church and make sure that the younger people feel welcome. Mm. Younger people, take that into the church and make sure that the older people know that you love them. Right? Because some of them don't have anybody and they're lonely. And they would absolutely love for somebody younger to take an interest in them. Right? Take it into your workplace and squash the workplace politics. And just be a neighbor. Sacrifice for the good of the team. Right? Give yourself up. Men, give yourself up for your wife, just like Christ gave himself up for the church. And it's all being mirrored at a ball game. You just have to look for it and realize it. And then take it home with you. Don't let it end when the Mets lose in the bottom of the night. Well, that was a good word until that last statement, but sorry, that's a good word. Well, Andy, how can uh, how can people connect with us on this? So we are tire fire of a podcast. Tire fire, that's good. We're getting canceled anyway. Might as well burn some tires illegally while we're at it. Uh, no, you can hit us up on Twitter at Hill Hipster Pod. Um, and then you can also email us at Gmail on Gmail at hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Um, I botched that. My bad. I was waiting for um, like, that know, was the old man response. You could hit me up on the Gmail. Hit me up on the Gmail. Look at me go. No, we, we, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have people that we interact with um, on, on Twitter, through Gmail, um, some people we know personally that, that listen to the show that we interact with, you know, we like, we like having conversations with other people too. So, you know, feel free to jump in let us know your thoughts on, uh, you know, can you get the gospel out of, out of a baseball game? And really one of my favorite things to do in life is to see how I can relate the gospel to other things. Um, so like different movies, TV shows, sports, um, so, you know, hit us up and let us know some, some things that you can use to teach the gospel, whether it's a movie and it may not be a religious movie at all. I always thought that, uh, you know, I've, I've been told that star Wars, there you go, Alex, star Wars friend of the show, Alex, star Wars could be used to present the gospel. Mm. I don't know because I've never seen it. But. I'd say Superman more. Superman, I mean, his origin story is definitely more tied to sort of a, a Christ-like figure than than Star Wars. Are you telling me that Jesus had laser beam eyes? No, I am not, sir. He did not have laser beam eyes. He had he had uh, he had freeze eyes and he had X-ray vision. Oh, and he could he could melt things. He had heat vision too. So I'm gonna be real honest with you. I never watched Superman. <laughs> yeah, I just even I mean the, the origins of Superman really are I mean that's something we could suss out on a later episode, right? Two Jewish guys create Superman back in the thirties and it, they've really used the the story of Jesus sort of as the the uh the bottom line for it for Superman's origin. Yeah, so that's that's definitely a future podcast episode. But yeah, you know, let us let us know some some movies and sports and opportunities that you've been able to 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 share the gospel and how you've done that. Because you know, as two patent nerdy pastors, probably one of the best ways I can describe us. That's those are always fun stories to read. I think so. 
Yeah. Definitely hit us up and let us know what you're thinking. And right. uh, Chadwick, I know that you were jealous because this weekend I was supposed to go make a knife with friend of the show Keith, Keith but uh, due to Dr. Wife being out of town and my oldest son having um, a two-hour baseball practice and a mad dash to get ready for the season to start next week, uh, I had to postpone that. So I'm not, not doing that this weekend. Oh. So hopefully next weekend or one coming up soon, I'll I'll get to go do that. But I will be, be at the post. Spurgeon Library on Wednesday. Nobody's in talking Kansas to City. <laughs> if I don't if I don't get pictures and a souvenir, I'm gonna be upset. I don't know if they have souvenirs, but uh, well, they do. I mean, they've got the it's a college. They've got the bookstore. They've got souvenirs. I'll get you a souvenir. That's all I'm asking. All right, Andy. <laughs> it's time to hit the huddle house, right? I could go for some pancakes. I could. I Good could. about right now. That might have to happen. All right, brother. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Folks all out right. there in the, the universe, thanks for joining us on this higher fire of a podcast. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Be blessed.